Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. And welcome to episode number seven of The Race Isn't Given. Today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about things in our life that we think are dead. Have you ever gotten to a point in life to where you thought that you have put all your energy in. That you've put all life that you could muster into something, be it a relationship, be it a ministry, be it education, be it a career. And it seems like the more you put into it, the more it feels like there is no more life. So I just want to spend a little time and I want to let you know to trust me, it's not really dead. Again, we're just going to spend a little bit of time and I'm here to tell you, trust me, it's not really dead. We think about three specific incidents in the Bible. And I can come up with three things. One, I'm sure that we truly know because it involves our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it talks about how in the eyes of man, something has died. From an earthly perspective, There's no more life in it. And we can only assume that because we can't in our natural eye any longer see life. One of the ways that medics, EMTs, etc., when they come to a scene and they think that it is a fatality, one of the first things that they do is that they put their ear, their head, to the mouth and to the nose, and they look at the chest. And they analyze, and they're able to tell from either visual or even feeling the air coming in and out of the nostrils and the mouth, the assumption that there's no longer life within that individual. But does that stop them from doing proper medical protocol, which is chest compressions? Some EMTs have a little device that has a little ball at the end that they squeeze and they put a portion of it over the victim's mouth. And as they squeeze the little ball, it brings air in and out of the body, making the lungs collapse in and out, mimicking a rhythm of air going in and out. And here's the amazing thing. There can be a possibility that if they get the chest compressions right, they get the breathing correct, and they do everything in tandem, that life can return. Breathing can commence. And the person that would have been on any other scale 
DOA, dead on arrival, is now given another chance for life. So how many of us thinks that our careers, our relationship, our ministries, our lives, our schooling, our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams have been pronounced D-O-A, dead on arrival. We approach things automatically assuming that the end is over, that there's no way that I can come back from this. There's no way that I can be healed. There's no way that they can be delivered. There's no way that that marriage can be fixed. There's no way that that relationship can be mended. There's no way my kids are two way gone. They're DOA. But as we pick on a few people, there's going to be three. The first one is Jesus. And we're talking about Luke chapter 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite lengthy. But for your own reading pleasure, take time to look at Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 56. And starting here, it says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house for he had one only daughter about 12 years of age and she lay dying but as he went the people thronged him and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. And sayest thou, who touched me? And Jesus says, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. So if we're not aware, we automatically know and have an understanding of that story. So this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years was healed by faith because Jesus says, your faith has healed you. But that's not where we're going in this story. We're going to pick back up because we understand that the man came to Jesus because his daughter was ill unto death. And so as we go in, It says, and he say unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. While yet he spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and wailed. But he said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out 
and took her by the hand and called saying, May, arise. And her spirit came again and she arose straightway and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they shall tell no man what was done. So when we think about this concept of it, we look at Jesus who was approached by the leader of the synagogue first. But he was detoured because someone else by faith, they didn't ask him, they didn't prepare him, he had no idea who the individual was. And because of her faith, she was healed. Just because, just because you think Jesus is preoccupied, just because you've called out to him, you've been seeking him, You've been fasting. You've been consecrating yourself. You've been in your word. You've been in deep meditation. And yet it seems like what you were praying for will not come to pass. And it has died. And behold, right when you think that it is all said and done, Jesus steps into action. Not that... He desires anything. Because what does it say here? It says that he charged them to tell no one what was done. So this was for their own edification, their own building, their own knowledge to know that he is truly the Savior. So how many times in our lives have we approached different situations and we're upset or we're discouraged because it seems like everyone else around us wishes, their hopes, their dreams, their miracles are coming to pass. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is a genie in a bottle. I'm not saying that name it and claim it, blab it and all those other things. But I am saying, as the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Now I'm going to continue with the vein of Jesus. And we're going to talk for a moment from John chapter 11. And this is the gospel of John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters went unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou loveth is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard thereof that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? 
If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Diodemus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we might die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. Now I'm gonna skip down a little bit because I don't wanna belittle you long. But what we're going to understand from this story is that Jesus first said that he was sleeping. And because the disciples did not really grasp it, he had to put it in clear, clear context that Lazarus was dead. But either way, either way, he said so that God would be glorified. He was glad that they were not there to see it because then they can witness the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the Father through Jesus. And so Martha and Mary were very upset. Very upset. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother may not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into this world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews were then, the Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then Jesus, then the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, take away ye the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. 
for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Should I not unto thee that if thou wilt believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I say it, that thou may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And as we look at this particular example, we see a merit of, of things. We see how Jesus says that Lazarus was asleep. And it took him four days. So he was dead for four days. Now understand that there is a time in life we already know that in the Bible it says there is a season for everything. And so there is times when, yes, it seems like the very miracle, the very blessing, the very prayer, the things and the hopes, desires that we are asking for will not come to pass. Something has been ignited and for some reason it seems like the flame has gone out again. And there's no hope. But so that Jesus could be glorified, there are going to come times, as we see in the woman with the issue of the blood and the leader of the synagogue, that she believed if she would just touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. And God had to show the leader of the synagogue that because it looks dead does not mean it's dead. And here, if we understand, it says, Jesus says, I know you hear me and you have heard me. So that means he is in constant prayer with the father continually. And that's one of the things that we have to do. We can't focus on if that dream, if that hope, if that desire has life anymore. But what we do need to do is focus on the one, the supplier of life. The one that gives life. He said, those that believe in me shall never die. He is the life giver. So I would ask the question, what does your relationship look like with the one who gives life? Now, again, I'm not here, you know, name it and claim it, blab it or affirmations and all these other things. I'm strictly saying that if he is the giver of life, it says that he is the resurrection then how is it that he cannot resurrect? But do we believe? Do we believe? Now on the last example before we get out of here, we're gonna go a little bit of Old Testament. First Kings chapter 17, and we will be dabbling in between verses 17 through 24. Again, first Kings chapter 17, dabbling through verse 17 through 24. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And to give context to this, this is the woman that the prophet Elijah had come to and she he pretty much said, you don't have a son. So he said, as of this day, you shall have a son she can see. She did not want it. She didn't want to get her hopes up, but this is what the prophet promised her, that you would have a son. So she's had the son. Word of the Lord has spoken through the prophet and it has come to pass. 
And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my sons? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth is the truth. There are going to come times that we're going to have to lay on. We're going to have to pray to God. We're going to have to seek him and we're going to have to believe that he hears us. What you have is not dead. Trust me. Trust me. What you're believing God for is not really dead. Trust me. It's not really dead. When we look at these three examples as we come to a close... We look at the ruler of the synagogue. We look at Lazarus, whom Jesus loved. We looked at Elijah and the woman with the son that died. And what is the common denominator? The relationship of the one who is speaking. We all know that Jesus is the son of God. So you say, oh, well, that's Jesus. But we look at Elijah. And this is well before Jesus was on the scene. He was the prophet. He won, promised this woman a child, and the Lord, presence of the Lord heard him, and she conceived. And then once that child died, he believed that God could bring life and bring his soul back to that child. So it's going to come a time in life that we're going to deal with so many different situations, so many different trials and tribulations, so many things that we have to face, but we have to put our faith and trust in the Lord that his will shall be done. Now, here's what you have to be comfortable with. Understanding that God's ways are not our ways. So the will of the Father may not look exactly like what we want it to be. But he will. He will answer our prayer. And a lot of times, some of those things that we go through that look like they're dead is because we're not ready for them yet. He will give you something. You will stumble. Put you on hiatus. He'll bring it back again. You stumble so that you don't damage yourself or other individuals included in it. He puts it on pause, on hiatus, and he will bring it back again. So I want you to prepare yourself now. Consecrate yourself. Get before the Lord. Seek him. Build your relationship with him. Don't focus on the trial and tribulation. Focus on the giver of life. He says that I have come that you might live and live life more abundantly. Now, that's not just financially. That's from a spirit perspective. 
What does your spirit bank account look like? We're all searching for financial prowess and all of these assets and, you know, properties and cars and, and, and all of these accolades. But what does your spiritual bank account look like? 90% of us, we have all the money in the bank. We have all the property that we can afford. We have all the cars that we can drive. But our bank account, when it comes to our spiritual finances, we are bankrupt. Because we don't have a relationship with God. And when any issue rises, when any trouble comes before us, we falter and we fall short. Because we don't look at the giver of life. We look at the death or at least the assumption of death. And we don't understand that God is the giver of life. But one thing that we do have to grasp, just like Job said, the Lord God giveth and the Lord God taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that there is a lot of you out there that are struggling and wrestling with the fact that you have seen a lot of things happen. You've been on your very highest end. And now you're at your lowest low and you feel like there is no other reason for moving and living and desiring anything because it seems like everything in your life has been dying. But I'm here to tell you and encourage you. Trust me. It's not really dead. Seek ye the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added unto you. Build your relationship with God. Then you won't worry about what the bank account looks like what your health looks like, what all these things looks like, because the Lord God giveth and the Lord God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But if you submerge yourself into the one who is the giver of life, the resurrected one, Jesus, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? I believe that if you begin to trust him, as we even sprinkled a little bit, like the Shunam, uh, the woman with an issue of blood, she went there seeking Jesus. She did not ask for audience. She did not approach the disciples. It is said that when she was saying, but if I can touch, it was like a mantra. She repeated, but if I can touch, but if I can touch, but if I can touch. And with every time she said it, her faith grew stronger. So much so that when she got to Jesus's garment, when she got to his hymn and touched it, she had so much faith in him. She believed just from a touch, not even a word, just from her touching him, she would be made whole. Reconnect with God. Rekindle your relationship with him. Lean not to your own understanding. Be careful what you're ingesting. Be careful what you're listening to. Work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. But I'm here to tell you as I leave and close. Trust me. It's really not dead. Your education, it's not dead. Your relationships, not dead. Your marriage, it's not dead. Your finances, are not dead. And more importantly, your relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not dead. As he told the woman at the well, he said, if you drink from this well, you will thirst no more. Seek him, desire him, thrash and throw yourself 
into what it is that he is calling you to do. He says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Be encouraged. What you think is dead, as he told them, it's just sleeping. It's just sleeping. I hope this has blessed you. Thank you once again for joining me on The Races and Given, episode number seven. Trust me, it's not really dead. It's just sleeping. I hope you have a great week. Happy Valentine's Day for those. Even though Valentine's Day from the aspect of love should be 365 days. So love on your husband, love on your wives, love on your children, love on your family. 365 days a year. Don't let one day define the love that you should have for mankind and for those that you are connected to. May the grace of God be with you. May his love caress you and may he give you peace until we meet again next Wednesday on episode number eight of the race isn't given. I love you all.